podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Got a very exciting interview today. Andrew Dowdy of the High Motor Pod, friend of the pod on the show. We are going to talk about what is going on with transfers in college sports. What the Big 12 stands on it at the moment. Some of the, well, some of our favorite ridiculous reasons that college football and college coaches are against this move. And I have a very important question uh, for Andrew today. With Kansas currently the number one team in the country, Kansas basketball, on every ranking and every metric, and them coming off of an FBI investigation, they still haven't seen the full repercussions on, and Kansas now the favorites to win the national championship. Should you, if it means you can win, go ahead and cheat? I don't know the answer. I might do it. But also, I have a daughter who I don't want to teach those things to. Anyways, we'll talk about that with Andrew Daddy before we get to it. It's a weekend full of Big 12 action folks. Baseball, softball, basketball. There's a lot going on this weekend. A lot, a lot, and a lot of games I want to make sure that you are aware of. Look, if you don't care outside of football, I get it. But if you're a baseball fan, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas, all going to be in Houston at Minute Maid Park for the Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic. They will face LSU, Arkansas, and Missouri. Uh, friend of the pod, Derek Duke, part of Heartland College Sports, part of the Big 12 Country Podcast. I believe he is going to be there. You should give him a follow on Twitter at DerekDuke25. I think he'll be reporting from there. I will actually be in Frisco on Friday and Saturday, Oklahoma State, in the Frisco Classic. They're going to face UCLA, Texas A&M, and Illinois. I will be there for Friday and Saturday's game shooting photos, but I'll... Uh, I'll have some updates from there myself. Uh, softball, big matches this weekend. Baylor is headed to Fayetteville. They're going to get games against Arkansas and Florida State. Iowa State's got a couple of games against Georgia Tech. Oklahoma State, two games against Louisville and a game against Oregon and Stillwater. Those are big. It's a big weekend for sports. This is the best time of the year for sports people. It absolutely is 
the best time for sports. How can you not love sports right now? Like seriously, there's there's something going on like every single freaking day. I love it. I do. Speaking of, the sport that matters the most right now is absolutely basketball. Some big matchups. Texas headed into Lubbock to face Texas Tech. Texas, a little bit of a, of a run here. Texas Tech coming off of a loss to Oklahoma. Texas, I mean, look, they don't really have tournament aspirations. I say aspirations. They don't really have a chance in the tournament. But if they went out, they can make an argument. Oklahoma headed to West Virginia looking for another win to add to their resume. West Virginia trying to stop the bleeding. And, of course, Kansas, Kansas State. We had a, a talk about that back on Monday's episode. It's Kansas, Kansas State Part 2, first game since the brawl between those two teams. So it's definitely going to be one to watch just to make sure nothing wild happens, though I doubt it will, and I expect it to be a blowout. Lots going on this weekend. Keep an eye on all of it. Follow your favorite team, okay? And we will have our bracket challenge again this year. We did it last year. We set one up on Yahoo, I believe. Let anybody who wanted to participate go and see if they could beat Chris and I in our bracket. Chris and I will have brackets again this year. I'll make sure that Andy has one as well. And I'll probably say if, if our good friend Brian Ralph will do one too. So we will have brackets on there. We're going to want you to. That link will go up soon. I just want to make sure you're aware. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. That's T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Also, just do us a favor. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Give it five stars. And then write a short review, and and we would appreciate it. So with all that said, enjoy your weekend. Uh, Andrew Daddy is here. He is always a good time, always a lot of fun. And let's get to him. So obviously the big story in college sports, not just football, sports in general. The change is coming to the transfer rule. NCAA is going to basically sit down and come to some sort of decision, hopefully by their meetings in April, to allow everyone across all divisions, every sport, to have a one-time transfer without having to sit out for a year. Um, look, it's got to happen. It's going to happen. It's hopefully going to happen in time to affect 2020-2021. I think it's the right thing to do. We can get into the semantics and details. I don't really want to. And I don't want to sit here and, and delve into what it all means necessarily because there's plenty of smarter people who are more well-connected than me who can do that and do a better job of it. However, Andrew Dowdy of the High Motor Pod joining us today because there are some sides of this that are really interesting or just, you know, in this case, an opportunity to kind of trash some college football coaches for coming up with some really, really BS reasons for not liking it. Andrew, welcome back to the show, man. Philip, how you doing, man? It's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm good. It's nice to have a college like football. We're going to focus on football, but football topic in the off season. That's not like, you know, somebody did something absolutely horrible. This is a good thing. This is a nice thing. To actually yeah, it's like to when news about. drops. And I think I talked about this. I don't think it was on your show, but a lot elsewhere where I think last summer between like May and August was the first year we didn't have a major coaching change. Like for, for I think it was like three or four years, we had our Bryles and Hugh Freeze and Bob Stoops and even putting Urban Meyer in that because that's ultimately what led to him. Every year we had like one or two guys. I think we had like six high profile coaches over the last four years. And we didn't have that last year. And like you said, usually if we're talking about college football now, we're either just kind of shooting the shit out on what we think about spring practice and about draft stuff like that. But now we actually have like something 
of substance to talk about that's not just this evergreen topic. So before we get into our, I want to say air quote, favorite excuses by coaches why they don't like this. Um, I do want to note an article out uh, by Metro News out of West Virginia uh, that Bob Bullsby, the Big 12 commissioner, notes that um, they haven't officially talked about this new rule and, and how the Big 12 feels about it. They're expected to do so at the basketball tournament, the the 80s, and he and the rest of uh, the people who run the Big 12 are going to chat about it. Um, so they have not made a decision, unlike the Big 12 or the, uh, the Big 10 and the ACC, who have, have both come out and said, this rule needs to happen. This, I don't want, I want to hold judgment on the Big 12 until they actually come out and put out a statement because um, it would be unfair to, to go after them too hard until we actually know what stance they're going to take, even though dragging your feet on this at this point and not just coming out being like, look, guys, let's just be progressive. Let's just go with the flow. Let's not sound like a bunch of jerks and be like, well, we really need to talk. This is happening. Get with it. I don't know. How do you feel about the Big 12 kind of dragging their feet and having an opinion on the topic? Well, I mean, first of all, I don't believe when Bowlesby says they haven't talked about it. It's more of like, like we got NFL free agency coming up here and we, when players signed because of the new rules uh, last couple of years, how they can negotiate before the actual deadline and all that. It'd be like Adam Schefter tweeting out whoever Zaria Smith signs with the Packers and that's, that's what it is. And then the Packers can't tweet it out for, you know, whatever, two weeks later, I can't remember what the actual timeline is. So even though like maybe the big 12 hasn't sat around a round table and said, what is your official position on this Jeff Long? What is your f- official position on this Jamie Pollard and go around the table with the ADs and, and whoever else is in the room, they've talked about this. I mean, this is this is not a new topic. It's it's new how this proposal is kind of moving forward. But I would bet the everything. I would bet everything that Bob Bob Bowlesby has talked to every single AD, probably every single football head coach, and every single men's basketball head coach about this proposal. He knows exactly where everybody stands. It's just more of we don't want to go officially on the record uh, without officially talking about it. This is one of those spots where, uh, and I don't want to dog Bowlesby too much, but you kind of wish you had a, a a commissioner that had the power to come in and say, "We're going to be on on, we're going to be for this, we're going to do the right thing, we're going to get out there early," um, and not be like the last ones to the, come to the table, almost like we've been drug kicking and screaming. Like, let's just 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 everyone, we could talk about some of the details later, but let's just go out and say, "Yeah, this is good. Let's go for it." Like, I just. It, it always feels like the Big 12, you know, you saw Bowlesby during uh, whatever, the congressional meetings and yada, 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 like, well, you know, we don't always like, just stop, just stop being, don't become that one conference that just fights and claws against every sort of, every sort of thing that's, that's, that's moving college sports forward and be that one back there just trying to hold it all back, even though you're getting drug along with it. Yeah, I I also... I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I'm also that that conference commissioner doesn't exist. I don't think in college sports. I mean, every it's just like we've seen with Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell. And even though there are low approval ratings and issues with every college commissioner, every, you know, professional sports commissioner, ultimately they're they do what the owners want. And even though Bob Bowlesby is running the big 12, he's not, actually running the big 12 and i'm not like suggesting that he's just this this that guy that uh, a ventriloquist dummy that just says whatever the schools want him to say but ultimately the schools have the power 
and we've seen some of the power dynamics in the Big 12 change. You know, that changes in every conference with, with some of those more powerful head coaches leaving, some of the more powerful ADs leaving, things like that. But I think in the case of the Big 12, you have to look at like Joe Castiglione um, or uh, Chris Del Conte at Texas and say that even though that their title isn't higher technically than Bob Bowlesby, if guys like that, if Joe Castiglione comes in tomorrow and for whatever reason says, Bob Bowlesby, we need to get rid of him, the Big 12 will get rid of Bob Bowlesby. So even though that I, I, I'm, I'm with you in that I wish the Big 12 wouldn't drag their feet as much, I think they've almost kind of fallen into like this more relaxed feeling after all the conference realignment stuff went down seven or eight years ago. And there was so much discussion around the Big 12. They got the new media deal done. They have um, all, all they have more stability now and over the last five years than they had for the, those five or ten years before. They were kind of for a while we're talking about Big 12 expansion. The darling were all of these 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 teams, Houston, UCF, Memphis, all of them were kind of making their pitches toward the Big 12. So I think the Big 12 has kind of gotten you. This is purely my speculation. I don't know if this is actually true, but this is what I see. They've kind of gotten used to sitting back and saying, Hey, we're in a good spot. People want to come to us. We don't have to be out there and be some sort of pioneer. I mean, kind of like how what Jim Delaney did with the Big Ten for so long. He was such a pioneer with media deals and, and different kind of things. And we're seeing a little bit of different leadership with Warren now. But I think the Big 12 has gotten you so used to sitting back. And I see your point. It doesn't bug me as much as it seems like it bugs you. And I'm, I'm okay with it, again, for what I said before, because I don't think that that type of commissioner has that much power. Like, ultimately, Larry Scott is still there because the, the Pac-12 ADs, the Pac-12 chancellors, uh, people like Phil DeStefano, the chancellor at UC Boulder, CU Boulder, excuse me, they can, they can control him. I mean, that, that's why he's still in position. So even though I agree with you, I just don't think that type of commissioner with that much power actually exists in college sports. Fair enough. That's fair. I just, I think part of me sometimes wishes that the Big 12 could be the one who didn't sit back and be. Oh, yeah. I, agree. But, I absolutely yeah. agree with all that. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more, um, I, I don't know, persistence leading, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to the topic we originally came into this for, you know, look, this is going to pass. This is going to happen. The one time transfer for everybody is going to pass, whether it, it whether it kicks off for 2020 to 21, like they would like, NCAA would like it to, or it kicks off the next season. It's going to happen. And once it's official, all, I mean, they have been at this point, we've seen plenty of, of football coaches and basketball coaches come out against this. They don't like it for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and it's going to be a big topic of discussion at every media day this summer. Like I'm, I am almost going, I'm almost excited for all of the coaches to get asked about this. And I'm already tired of all the coaches getting asked about it. I think I'm more excited for the answers, less excited for the question that's going to be posed over and over again. But we've already had some, let's just say some solid gold from college coaches uh, in regards to answers for why they think this might be a bad thing. And this, Andrew, is the main reason I wanted to have you on is just to talk about our favorite, let's call them excuses that coaches are coming up with. And not, let me just preface, we'll mention at least one guy uh, who's been quoted who has a really good, who, who comes from a fair point on this and actually sees the benefit of it and makes some decent points about things that need to be adjusted. But a lot of these excuses, and I'm going to call them excuses because that's what they absolutely are, are just are just fantastic. Just fantastic. And I'm curious, Andrew, what has been your, I want to say, favorite uh, excuse so far from coaches they're trying to use to why they this this is a bad idea and we, we should force these kids to sit out for a year? What is my favorite excuse? Um, 
I mean, I think it's a tough question because it's almost like different. Okay, for example, let's start here. Let's start with Lane Kiffin. So I think it was sometime last year. I'm not even sure when he said this, but I remember Lane Kiffin complained about players wanting more attention, and this is a way for them to do it. I'm not even saying that I disagree with what Lane Kiffin says about players wanting attention. Sure. I mean, out of the, what are the 85 scholarship players, 130 teams, more than 10,000 players in, in, in FBS football. Sure. A lot of those players will enter the transfer portal, I'm sure, because they want attention. How many? I don't know. So it's not even a matter of if, if Lane Kiffin has a point or not, but Lane Kiffin is worried about <laughs> players wanting more attention. I mean, that comment from Lane Kiffin is, is so rich. I mean, it's so rich from just about any coach. But to come from Lane Kiffin, that, that is kind of the hypocrisy of it. That's absolutely the hypocrisy of it. And then you kind of go to another bucket, more hypocrisy, where it's like James Franklin and others have said, you know, what are we teaching our young generation? And this kind of is like the OK Boomer bucket where we have all of these coaches that, that came up, um, basically baby boomers, that came up in the 60s and 70s. They were part of a generation. I get so sick of this. They're part of a generation that – was known for pushing social norms, pushing against the social norms of society in, in the 70s into the 80s. And, and now 30 years later, they say, well, what are we teaching our kids? My generation grew up pushing, pushing against social norms. What are we teaching our young generation to, to quit and give up? And like I said with Lane Kiffin, yes, there are, there are people like that. There are players that don't win a starting job that quit and leave. And whether I don't know if that's wrong or not. I mean, you have four years to play college sports. So, yeah, on one hand, it sucks. If you don't win the starting job, you quit. But are you looking at it as you quit? Or are you looking at it as I'm not going to stay on this team, get garbage time snaps in five games this year, not throw a meaningful pass, and then boom, there goes 25% of my eligibility. To me, it, it I don't. So those are kind of two buckets. And the third one I feel like is, you know, what is the future of college football? This is going to hurt the game of college football. Free agency is going to hurt college football. It's going to make college football different. I think when, when certain players move to certain schools, I mean, Jalen Hurts is, I don't know if Oklahoma wouldn't, but it would have been just as good with Spencer Rattler running the, the Oklahoma offense last year. But Jalen Hurts picking Oklahoma changed the landscape of, of college football last year. But how did, how did that make it worse? I don't see how him picking a school or how any of these other people picking a school makes college football worse. Do you, can you think of any way in which college football is worse with transfers? Actually, the game itself, is it hurting the, the worst regular season in all of sports, in my opinion, that these guys are allowed to transfer to different schools? No, it's not. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't hurt the game. In fact, you could argue it, it may, almost makes the offseason – more interesting and creates more storylines right. like for us because of these guys moving around it's something new and exciting to talk about every year yeah and i think that i know i said that there were only kind of three buckets there but as i'm sitting here thinking about it um i think another one is kind of the the hypocrisy of scholarship offers i mean these are coaches complaining about transfers and then the same coaches go out and offer 300 prospects when they're filling a 22 23 24 man class I mean, these coaches are complaining about transfers these are the same coaches that are handing out uncommittable offers and i just did a roundup of the 2020 offers every team total number of offers total number of commits uh, you can probably find that pretty easily by typing in 
uh, most 2020. Yeah, there it is. So if you type in most 2020 offers into Google, it's that first result there. Seven teams had at least 400 scholarship offers. Again, that's 400 offers for teams that are making 22, 23, 24, 25 man classes. And they're giving out 350, 400, 450. Oh, yeah. In the case of Southern Miss, you're almost giving out 600 offers. So that, I mean, they're, it's almost like we need hypocrisy buckets here. It gets really, really old, but at the same time, and, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this later in the show, you had texted me earlier about um, kind of balancing cheating. Should I just cheat knowing that it's going to help me and deal with the reper repercussions later? That same logic, I think, applies here because these same coaches, they also know it doesn't matter if I'm a hypocrite. It doesn't matter if I'm handing out 500 offers if I win. If I win, nothing else matters. I can offer a thousand guys, complain about the portal, bitch about whatever I want, but if I win, I'm good. So I'm going to do what I have to do to win. No. Yeah, we're going to talk a uh, nice tease. We're going to talk cheating here in a second. We're going to talk a little college basketball, and this will be an easy transition. But no, I absolutely agree. Like hypocrisy to me is the biggest thing with all their excuses. Although the one, uh, let me say, my favorite one has been this. And, and Adam Rittenberg from ESPN tweeted this one out. He had talked to a Power Five coach who said, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the group of five. They're going to be our G League. They'll be our a little amateur league when where we draw up good players from them. Every kid wants to be in the Power Five. I don't care today. That's what that's what you want. And I and I wanted to stop and be like, okay, so there's two levels to this. First of all, it's already how it is. Um, graduate transfers exist. Kids transfer before they had to sit out, before they could immediately become eligible. Um, so you've already been pulling talented kids up to the Power Five. And what's so wrong with that? If a kid only got offers to Tulane and Western Michigan, and it turns out this is a kid who could be a, a first-round draft pick, but he wants the opportunity to show what he can do against a higher level of competition, let him. Like I, 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 that's That already exists. And two, oh, Oh, please, please, Power 5 coach, you great, wonderful, sympathetic character, please tell me how you feel so bad for the group of five, Mr. Power 5 coach, how you're so worried about whether or not Boise State and South Alabama and North Texas are able to keep their talented players and succeed. You're the ones taking those guys already to put on your team to help win games. Like, don't, don't, don't try and be like, oh, these, these poor Poor G5 coaches. Oh, we, we're out here looking out for their best interest. B.S. bullshit. Like, don't don't even try and feed me that nonsense. Well, it's kind of like when, when Barry Alvarez came out last year. And, I mean, you're talking about Barry, yeah, hell of a coach, but he's also known widely as one of the most stuck-up, arrogant, self-serving P5, 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 P5 type of guys. And then all of a sudden, overnight, Barry says, you know what? We should really get the G5 into the playoff. As if if Barry Alvarez cares about the G5. And when, when he said that, it, it was kind of part of the proposal. We should expand the playoff, which obviously would give Wisconsin a better shot because Wisconsin has routinely been in that second tier. They've been that team that if you beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, sure, you can get in. If you lose, you have no chance. So they've always been kind of like in that five to ten range, not in the top four. And then all of a sudden, I'm supposed to believe that you, sir, Barry Alvarez, are so worried about UCF that you want them in. I, I just don't – I don't get it. I mean, like the quote that you said, it came from that, that Tom Heron article on ESPN on, on Wednesday morning. I mean, the exact quote was, the group of five, it's going to kill them. They're going to be our G League. They're going to be our little amateur league where we draw good players from. And this is something that you and I, again, talked about offline before we hopped on here. 
how is the G5 not already the amateur league to the P5? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's and, like it, benefit, all these and it benefits the P5. Why, why, oh, do, no, why do they care about the G5? It's just it's such a it's such fake. Like just finding anything you can, and none of what's what's funny about it is none of that's going to change it. Like it's coming, so mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. you can say all these things and it and it doesn't matter. Um, uh, my other favorite one is in that same article, the ESPN one. They have a quote from Nick Saban. You know, I, quote: "I don't know how to manage a roster when this goes into effect. I can't manage our roster now. Last year we had eight seniors on our team. We had seven guys go out for the draft and three graduate transfers or guys that ended up transferring. So instead of having eighteen seniors, you've got eight. Blah 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 blah. Of all the people." To sit here and gripe. First of all, <clears throat> let me make sure I understand this. Someone who's making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, whose primary job is managing their roster, is complaining because their job just got harder. Let me. Somebody made this point on a podcast, and I wish I could give them credit because I don't remember who it was. So let me just say this is not my original idea, but I, I wanted to share it. Can you think of another job <clears throat> where you are a, a, a lower level executive who's making millions upon millions of dollars a year, whose job just got harder and is now going to go out into the media and to their boss and complain about it. Like, shut up, make your money and do your job. That's your job. Things change all the time. But it's like these college coaches don't want, like we can't ever change anything. Everything needs to stay exactly the same way it is, um, but you also need to pay me more money. Like, no, that's that's part of the job. I'm sorry your job's getting harder. When I just that's want a the coach, job. This is what I probably want with this more than anything. I just and coaches have come out and, and said, How am I supposed to control us? No, Mike Gundy has come out, you know, right when the transfer portal mm-hmm. came out. Mike Mike Gundy, he said a lot of um dumb things about the portal, but he's also <laughs> made good points of saying, you know, NCA needs to think this through. We need to have certain measures in place to, to manage the roster. And I I can't even imagine that frustration. That is why I wouldn't I would rather be working a regular job making fifty grand a year than being a, a college football head coach and dealing with all that stuff i cannot imagine how difficult that is that being said i just want a coach to come out and just say i hate this because it makes my job harder i mean some coaches <laughs> have said something to the effect of like i said with gundy we need some sort of rules in place we're constructing this 85 man scholarship roster uh, like dave dorian last year so like what happens when the depth chart is down to three healthy linebackers and i think he has a point there but what I want, and I would bet big money on most, if not all, FBS head coaches, they don't like it because it makes an already brutally hard, tiring, relentless ass-kicking job that much harder. I just want a coach to come out and say, you know what, guys? I like the game. I like my student-athletes. Love my kids. I hate the transfer portal because it puts more on my plate now than when I started in this business it's harder for me. It's harder for my staff. I get to see my family less. I'm more stressed out. I hate it because it's just harder for me, a millionaire. I would love to see somebody. I could see like Mike Leach coming out and saying that. I just want somebody to admit it, that this job, this transfer portal, this whole epidemic makes my job harder. Yes, I'm making $4 million a year and I should do it, but I don't want to deal with it. That would be great. That honesty though, like I don't, I, I don't think people would be mad about it. No, <laughs> like you'd be like, yeah, I, but I like I get it. Instead of trying to come up with all these creative ways of of blaming other people and da 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 da, <clears throat> look, there there it's not a it. There's gonna have to be some parameters put in place. Sonny Dykes uh, is quoted in the CSPN article. He made a good point of it's it's tough if you guys have guys coming in in July and August and and asking for transfers like that that kind of stuff. I get it. Like that's at a certain point. Like you should have made that decision already. Um, we'll they'll get all that figured out. Uh, but 
I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I do want one point. And you, you, you brought this up. We texted about this before. Um, I was reading a Dan Wilkin article about the uh, quote embarrassing scenario that the NCAA is going to face if Kansas wins the national championship. Because look, this is something that's happened quite a bit since Mark Emmert has been in charge of the NCAA of him having to stand down there and hand the national championship trophy to coaches that have been in a lot of trouble for cheating, be it Jim Calhoun, John Calipari, Roy Williams, not could potentially be Bill Self. And I, and I was reading this and looking at it and thinking about, you know, we went in all this FBI investigation and, and came away, it's just going to change college basketball forever. Everything's going to be different. It's never going to be the same. And it really, other than just being really not very good this year, uh, it doesn't really feel like it's any different. In fact, all these big head coaches who were named are all pretty much still employed everywhere in Arizona, at Kansas, at LSU. And at a certain point, it kind of starts to make you wonder, you know, if it's going to make me win, why shouldn't I just cheat and then lie about it? And it's not a thing I want to like teach my daughter. Um, but at the same time, at, at, at what point has the NCAA actually done anything? I mean, you had the FBI investigate and come away from it and go, you know, if you cheat, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy you and your program. Nope. If you cheat, at worst, they vacate it from the re- a win from the record books, but everyone still knows you won the national championship. So, and you're still going to make tons of money. So why would I not cheat? Yeah, I think it, it's a really hard question. I don't think there's an answer to it. It's, it's one that, I mean, no offense to you, but you're not like the first person that's brought it up. People have said that, that cheating just pays and it's okay. And even like Bruce Pearl, his, cheating in quotes at Tennessee was it was pretty minimal I mean the whole Aaron Kraft barbecue thing lying thing I mean that's not like as as far as we know it's not like he was deliberately paying players or something like that so in in the case of him getting a show cause and coming back with Auburn Bruce Pearl to me isn't like a cheater even though people have said that hey look what Bruce Pearl did at Tennessee and now he's back in the game and he's leading you know a, a national championship contender every year or whatever so i think there there's like a piece of that where you can break the rules and still get back in and people view you yes bruce pearl is still going to be viewed as a cheater by some but generally i think bruce pearl has a relatively favorable uh, opinion. I mean, I know there's been some connection to the FBI investigation for Auburn and then the assistant stuff and stuff like that. So that's a little bit different, but I, I don't want to cop out of, of answering your question, but it just seems like a case by case basis. I think it's a school by school basis. I think it, if like Stanford, I mean, if it suddenly came out that David Shaw w- was cheating, I mean, generally regarded as one of the the cleanest, most likable coaches in American sports was coming out and paying his players at an institution like Stanford where they, they put so much time and so much effort into academics. Yeah. I think, I think that would do a lot of irreparable damage for, for a school that has, I'm guessing their endowment is North of $20 billion and all of these donors that might be turned off by seeing their alma mater in in the news in a negative fashion. Sure. I, I think that that could have a negative effect and, and it's not worth it for somebody like that to cheat, but yeah, I don't know. It's a really hard question because I think it's more of a personal thing. Like, do you want to be known as the cheater? I mean, do you want to be known right now? You have Will Wade, who we we still don't even really know exactly what happened with Will Wade and LSU and all that stuff. But it sure seems like Will Wade cheated and LSU and Will Wade basically said, I don't care. I'm still going to coach. That's what it seems like. They They don't care. They think it's worth it if they – would have made a run to the national championship last year. Is it going to get vacated later? 
I don't know. Who cares? I mean, who really cared that that Memphis had to vacate their national runner-up? It might have been a little bit different had Derrick Rose just hit a free throw and Kansas wouldn't have tied it late. Sure, maybe it's a little bit different, but who really cares that we're sitting here 12 years later and Memphis had to vacate a national runner-up banner? Nobody really cares about that, right? Right. No, I mean. So yeah, I th- yeah, I think it can pay absolutely, and I think that's kind of what we saw with the whole Adidas stuff, and we'll see if the stuff with Nike goes anywhere. Um, I, I mean, it, yeah, it's like Bill Self being on the phone with the Adidas rep, and the Adidas rep is saying, yeah, they do it everywhere. They do it at Duke, North Carolina, and Bill's like, oh, really? I mean, they I don't remember the exact words, but Bill's like, oh, they you know they do it at North Carolina. And the Adidas rep is saying, yeah. So it's more of like, okay, do what you got to do. I, I don't care. As long as I'm not the one paying for it, I'm not the one who's actually handing over the money, getting whatever player the job, something like that. I think that's kind of different. And I think that was more of the crux of the Adidas thing is that not many of these coaches were hands-on. We saw some of the assistants getting fired that were, but you can kind of say, and I, I don't know, it seems like we still don't even know what Bill Self did, what his assistants did, but as long as you can be like, well, you know, I just, I just thought it was par for the course. I just thought they were helping people get jobs and I'm just trying to help out their family. So I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, I think it's a case by case basis. That's fair. I don't stuff like that. It, I'm not sure there's ever really like being honest, let's just give an answer. Like it's so much more complicated than that. And right. people are like, this is the, this is the obvious answer. Like there's no obvious answer. Well, it's like because... everything. We want to just give some answer to everything when there's, I mean, I was just on my podcast yesterday. Um, Chase Kitty was on, and he was saying, what do you want to see from a team in January or February to either dub them a real tournament contender or something that's going to flame out in the first weekend? And because the NCAA tournament is so predictable, we don't have a clue. I mean, there have been so many teams going into the tournament like they are primed to make a run, and then they lose in the first round. Same thing with this. Yeah, I want to answer your question, but there is no answer. I think that's what makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, but it also makes it fun to talk about. Exactly. So you can't be um, wrong. Well, you line 10 people up and ask them that same question. You're not going to get the same answer 10 times. You might get 10 different answers. And it may be... And five non-answers, just like I gave you. Oh, yeah. that. Yeah, well, sometimes and, a non-answer is an answer. You know. I guess, yeah. Well, it works. All right, Andrew Daddy, you are, as always, an absolute pleasure to have on the show. I suggest everybody go and subscribe to the High Motor Podcast. It's one I listen to both times a week, uh, usually. Sometimes you have an episode, and I'm like, I don't really care what that... FCS coach has to say, but it's cool. Like you should, you should have those guests on anyways. Just like I'm sure someone will look at my show and go, Andrew Doty. I don't know. Who the hell is this guy? (laughs) But everybody go check out the high motor podcast. Andrew, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you making some time for us. Yeah. Phil, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy chatting. Podcast Network.